Okay, Revelation 13, beginning with verse 1. We're going to be talking about the Antichrist today, the first beast coming up out of the sea. More detail on that. Revelation 13, last week, give you a quick summary, overview. We talked about the two beasts. We talked about Leviathan. We talked about Behemoth. Leviathan is the creature that comes up out of the sea, represents the Antichrist. We talked to you about Behemoth, which is the second beast or the false prophets. And then we talked about the golem or the image of the beast that's going to be made uh, in the tribulation period. And all of these things are important because in verse 10, specifically our focus last week, was this, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And so it is important that the saints be warned of these things to come. Because the church, as far as I understand it, is going to be here during that time. It is not going to be pre-tribulationally raptured out of here before that time. But it is going to be here as far as my understanding of Scripture goes. Thank God for the truth. And so the, the focus of this is that the saints be warned of these things that are going to come upon the earth. All right. Now, let's look at chapter 13 again, verses 1 through 10. Amen. If you have that, say praise the Lord. Verse 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea. And saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority." And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. They worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. They worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things, and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, say war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now go to chapter 14 and verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark, in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. The smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, 
They have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So it declares to you who these saints are. And it shows you the, uh, the need of patience in the light of these beasts that are going to come upon the earth in the last 42 months of the tribulation period. So again, it's repeated in chapter 14. Father God, I just thank you right now for your awesome word today that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. You may be seated. My focus this morning is going to be on the coat of arms Prince Charles' Coat of Arms, The Prince of Wales. This book was written by Tim Cohen. It's called The Antichrist and a Cup of Tea. He's done great research on this coat of arms, and it's going to shock you as to how many symbols that are in this coat of arms are right here in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, okay? So this is the book, if you want to get that, and the picture that we're going to be looking at this morning is... Uh, basically going to be this coat of arms, and they're going to bring that up for us at this time. Are y'all ready? Bring that up for me. Okay, can y'all see that all right? Okay, praise God. And I'm going to try to use a pointer. If you can't see this, if you want to uh, move where you can see this coat of arms, it would be to your benefit at this time. You may do that. Okay, this is Prince Charles' coat of arms right here. And I'm going to try my best to explain the symbolism here. But let's go to the book of Revelation again and let's see specifics here. Revelation 13, 1. I stood upon the sand of the sea. I saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns ten crowns. Upon his head the name of blasphemy. Now back up and go to Revelation 12. Remember, we talked about this, the sign of the woman and then also the sign of the dragon. Do you remember that? Okay. The Bible says in verse 3, There appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. This dragon has, notice, seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Who is this dragon? Well, verse 7 of chapter 12 says, There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. Now, who is the dragon? This seven-headed dragon with ten horns. It, said, it tells you, it's the old serpent called the devil. And Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So number one, Leviathan, or the dragon, this seven-headed dragon, is Satan, or the devil. And so the devil is seen. If you look up here on this chart, you'll see this dragon here. It's got seven heads, and upon its head, seven crowns. It's got ten horns. So that's the dragon or the devil. Now you go to Revelation 13, and the scripture says, we see a beast that's rising up out of the sea. Right here's the sea. Here comes that beast rising up out of the sea. 
The Bible tells us its description. It has seven heads. So just like the dragon, the beast has seven heads. And also, this beast has ten horns. Upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. Uh, the Bible says, the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. So it's got the body of a leopard, you can see there. Its feet were the feet of a bear. And his mouth as the mouth of a lion. Okay, that's the description of this beast. Now notice, and the dragon gave him his power. So we have the dragon, Satan, seven heads, ten crowns of the dragon. And now we see the beast described the same way. Seven heads, ten crowns. But the dragon and the beast are different here. The dragon or Satan gives his power to the beast. So the beast is a man. It's a one world leader that will come upon the scenes who is empowered by Satan, uh, who uh, has been given his power from Satan and his seat of authority from Satan. Okay? So it's basically a man who's under the control of Satan, Satanic power. And this is not, this beast is not just about the man who has been empowered, but it depicts his kingdom. Kingdom. Because these beasts are not just uh, rulers, but they are the kingdoms over which the rulers reign. Okay, are y'all with me here? So this seven-headed dragon with ten horns is Satan. The Bible talks about the first beast who is empowered by Satan also has seven heads and ten horns. You understand that so far? And this represents this one world leader under a, with a one world government system. And this is the description of the beast. And what you have there here is Satan using world powers throughout history. Okay? Empowering world powers to defeat God's people. When you see these beasts, whether they be in Revelation 7, there's four of them in Revelation 7. There's one beast here. Uh, you're talking about world powers, and they're called beasts because they are against God. They are resisting the kingdom of God in the earth, and they are uh, trying to destroy God's people. So they're called beasts. Okay. And they are empowered by Satan, these world powers. Now, let's do something before I get into this coat of arms. Let's go to Revelation 17. And in Revelation 17, we then have God's interpretation of what these seven heads and ten horns mean. Okay? <clears throat> Revelation 17. Let me get you the verse here. We see this scarlet-colored beast in 17 now with a woman riding on the back of the beast. Now, really, Revelation 17, the focus of Revelation 17 is not the beast, not the world government. The focus really in Revelation 17 is the woman that rides the back of the beast. But for more information about the beast or the world government or the Antichrist, we go to Revelation 17 for the interpretation of the beast. Now, it says, uh, verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness. I saw a woman set upon 
a scarlet-colored beast, and this beast is full of names of blasphemy, just like Revelation 13 said. And it has seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and talking about her description here, but I want to uh, not focus on that so much. We'll do that in the future. Verse 9 says, Here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So number one, these seven heads on this beast, scarlet-colored beast, the Bible says they are seven mountains. Now, mountains in the Bible represent kingdoms. Okay? So it says there are seven mountains upon which the woman sits, and there are seven kings. So these seven heads then represent seven kings or kingdoms. They represent mountains and they represent kings. A mountain in the Bible is a kingdom. So we've got seven kings and seven kingdoms that they are associated with. So we know what the seven heads are then. They are seven kings over seven kingdoms. Are you with me here? Now, watch this. Five are fallen, and one is. So when you look back in history, five are fallen. Who were the major world powers that persecuted God's people to begin with? Go back in the Bible, in the early part of your old Bible in the Old Testament. Who is the first kingdom that took Israel captive? Egypt. Remember, these beasts are kingdoms that seek to destroy God's people and oppose God's kingdom. And the first one that captured Israel was Egypt. Now, Egypt had a Pharaoh over it who had a serpent on his head. He's a type of the Antichrist. And he is called in the Old Testament prophets, Pharaoh is called Leviathan. So he is the first type of the, the future Leviathan, Antichrist. It's five are fallen, so we know the first one was Egypt. And then we know the next one that conquered Israel was who? Assyria. Assyria conquered Israel, and then following them, Babylon conquered Judah and Benjamin. Okay? Just, you just go through history. Egypt, then Assyria, then Babylon. Then who ruled over the people of God after Babylon? The Medo-Persian Empire. After the Medes and the Persians as a world power, who came on the scene? Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire, empire came on the scene. And they dominated Israel. So that's five right there. Five are fallen. Okay? And then one is. One is... When it says one is, it's talking about the government or the world power that was controlling Israel in John's day. And that would be the Roman Empire. All right, so when John received the book of Revelation, he said five are fallen and one is. All right, five in past history who dominated Israel. Now, in your life, John, while you're receiving the book of Revelation, there is one world power who has dominated Israel. And that's the Roman eagle, okay? Then he says this, all right, as we continue to read. 
he says, um, verse 10, there are seven kings, five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. So this would be the seventh kingdom. Are y'all there? So he's explaining who, who the, what these heads are. All right? The seventh one, he says, is a future kingdom that will arise. Notice. Okay, look at your Bible there. I'm trying to do this very slow so you can understand. Another is, okay, there are seven kings. Five are fallen. One is, and the other is not yet come. That's the seventh. When he cometh, he must continue a short space. Interesting. John receives a prophecy from the Lord that the seventh one's going to come and it's going to continue for a short space. After the Roman Empire of John's day, the sixth empire, what empire in history followed him? And, and I'm, talking about, I'm talking about history beyond the one that is. The sixth, I'm talking about what empire followed the sixth of the Roman Empire that conquered the Jewish people? Germany, the Holocaust, Holocaust. So the seventh one, this, this is another way to look at this. The seventh one then is the German uh, conquering of the people of God under Hitler. All right, are you with me here? And then it talks about a future eighth ruler, and it's, it's specifically called Antichrist. Okay, here we go. Um, seven kings, five are fallen. One is, the other is not yet come. When he cometh, he must continue a short space. And we know that happened. Hitler's, Hitler's reign, I believe, was close to seven years. Uh, but it, so it was a short period of time. And the Holocaust took place, and, you know, six million Jews or thereabouts were uh, martyred, persecuted, along with other racial people, racial people, not just the Jewish people. Uh, but then the Bible talks about this eighth one is a future kingdom. Let me get this. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth so the beast that's rising up out of the sea, the Bible clearly tells us there that he is the eighth kingdom. Watch. Now, you don't have to believe this. I'm just, and I'm not telling you that what I'm saying is, is uh, the total fulfillment of this because I don't know how this world government in its final form is going to look. Okay? But we're just looking at the Bible and, and, and trying to look at history at the same time and see where some of this is fulfilled and where some of it is yet to be fulfilled. Now, some of you are saying, well, why don't you know? Because the Bible doesn't tell you every detail. It, it gives you certain things, certain symbolism and certain things that will happen. It don't tell you. It don't come out here by name. It, these five are fallen. It don't say the five that are fallen in this passage are Assyria, are Egypt and Assyria and Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece and Rome, and then Germany. It doesn't tell you that, does it? Does it? Okay, then don't expect me to know something that's not in the Bible. I'm, 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 I'm sensing out there you think I should know. I don't know. But I do know the Bible says 
that following that seventh one that will continue for a short period of time, there is the eighth one. It's a future, and it is called the beast. And that beast is the one that rises up out of the sea. And that beast is the Antichrist in his kingdom. It is the eighth kingdom in which he will uh, have ten kings, ten horns. You with me here? Ten horns or ten kings that will reign with him in that final kingdom of Antichrist. So the eighth kingdom is a ten king system in which Antichrist comes out from among them and rules over them. Okay, so that's the eighth kingdom. All right, you with me? Do you understand so far? Let me read a little more here. Okay. The ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. So these ten king, ten horns then are what? They're ten kings. The Bible says, and we do know what this is, because it tells us what it is. These ten horns are ten kings which will see, receive power one hour with the beast. So they are his kingdom. They are that eighth kingdom of Antichrist. Ten kings. Okay? These have one mind and they shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and they that are with him are called chosen faithful. And so what is important about understanding this final antichrist beast kingdom with ten horns or ten kings is that it precedes the day of the Lord. And that when Jesus comes back in his day of the Lord wrath at the end of the tribulation period, he will destroy the antichrist and his kingdom. That's what the Bible says. All right? Okay, here we go. Praise the Lord. Verse 14, These shall make war with the Lamb. The Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. They that are with Him are called, chosen, faithful. So now the church are coming back with Him. We've been raptured at the end of the tribulation period, caught up to meet Him. We escort Him back to the earth. And we're coming back with him when he makes war on this beast, the Antichrist, and this one world government system. Okay? Now, having said that, looking at it from that point of view, that these, as the Bible says, these seven heads or seven kings, five of them have already fallen. One is Rome. The seventh is going to continue for a short space. Very well could be Germany in the time of the Holocaust. It could be a seventh kingdom in the seven-year tribulation period that will continue a short space right before the ten kings are in power with the Antichrist and crowned. It could be that also. Okay. Uh, also, you need to consider this, that in Daniel chapter 7, let's go there. Daniel chapter 7, and I'm giving you this because when I hit this herald, this uh, up here, this coat of arms, it'll really come alive for you. Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7, in verse 8, remember the horns are what? Ten kings that receive power with the Antichrist in his eighth kingdom. 
in the eighth kingdom. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them a little horn. Among those ten horns rise a little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. So if you've got ten horns or ten kings, he rises up from among them the eleventh, okay, and he pulls up three horns. If you subtract three horns from ten horns, how many horns does that leave you? It leaves you seven horns, and then he would be the eighth horn. So it could be that these seven kings or seven heads are pictured here with the Antichrist, uh, okay, having already pulled up three of those ten, leaving seven, and he would be the eighth. So it could be that these kings are contemporary rulers seen in the ten horns, but also seen in the seven heads. Because either way you look at it, if he pulls up three and he rises up from the seven, he is the eighth, okay? Or if you look at it as five of these previous world powers that destroyed God's people in history, five of them fallen, one in the days of John Rome, and then the seventh one, German Germany in the Holocaust, and the eighth one, the future kingdom of Antichrist with the ten kings, then it's still going to be the eighth kingdom if you look at it from a historical perspective. Or if you look at it as seven kings contemporary with the Antichrist in the tribulation period, then that makes him the eighth ruler too. Do you understand these things? All right. But in order for you to do that, then you would have to make the heads, the seven heads, the same as the seven horns, which is possible. Why y'all looking like that? You look like somebody hit you in the face, knocked you, slapped you, plumb silly. You look like, some of you went off into a zone, man. You just. Why, why, did that, why, did, why did that happen to you? Why did you just go. Praise God. Well, you need to equate <laughs> because about what I'm fixing to show you here, if you don't equate it, then, you know, you, you're going to really be messed up, man, I'm telling and I And I would just say this, that I believe that both of them are true, to be honest with you, because when you talk about prophecy, prophecy has more than one fulfillment to it. And a lot of times you get into a problem, into trouble, when you try to make a scripture say something and say, this is the only way it can be fulfilled. You do that, you're in a problem. Because prophecy has a two, three, and sometimes a fourfold fulfillment to everything that's said in there. So you cannot limit it just to one thing. And that's why I believe that God over here in Revelation 17 shows you historical kingdoms. And then over here in Revelation 13, you know, it's possible that we see him as having seven contemporary rulers. Both of them could be true. So that God is showing you ancient history prophetically fulfilled in the future. So what's the big deal? What's the problem with you? Why are you freaking on me? You need to understand the laws of biblical interpretation concerning prophecy. There's many fulfillments to it. In fact, I can preach the whole book of Revelation from a redemptive point of view and that it was fulfilled in Jesus on the cross. Every bit of it happened at Jesus' cross. You mean the Antichrist was there? Yeah. Rome was there. 
The Roman Antichrist was there. The Roman beast was there. And so on and on it goes, okay? So prophecy's large. Did that help you? And that's what I'm trying to do. Not trying to be, you know, uh, uh, whatever. I'm just trying to help you today. Do you, did that help you to understand that prophecy has more than one fulfillment to it? And so Revelation 17 might say one thing about it. And, but it also, I mean, where are you going, Daniel? Hallelujah. Man, this guy, he, like, he got ants in his pants, man. You can take this off the tape. Every time I start teaching and preaching on, on, on the morning Sunday, he's up, out the door. Hallelujah. Where are you going? Why, why are you, what are you doing? You want to stand? Oh, okay. Well, you just go right ahead and stand. All right, God is good. Does that help you understand some things? Okay, so Revelation 13, let's go back over here, because that, that, that distracts me when you do that, man. I'll tell you. Hallelujah. You're going to do that sitting in the back row somewhere. The Bible tells us then, okay, so do you understand basically this, this kingdom is the eighth kingdom of Antichrist? World power, world government under a world leader who has received power from the dragon, okay? And whether you go, go from history or you go into the time of the eighth kingdom, you're still going to get the same calculations. Because what happened in the past is simply pointing to the future. So we see this beast then rising up. Where's it coming up out of, this, out of the sea, right? It's got seven heads, ten horns. Upon his horns, ten crowns. Upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And then it says about this beast that it's got the body of a leopard. It's got the feet of a bear. And it's got the mouth of a lion. So this final form, world power, has the previous world powers in its makeup. Okay? Because in Daniel it talks about four beasts that rose up, and you get to that fourth beast with the ten horns. The first beast was a lion. Can't see that. First be in Daniel, the first beast is a lion. It doesn't go back to Egypt and Assyria. It goes back to Babylon. Okay? So in, in Daniel 7, you've got a lion. Uh, you've got a head of gold. Babylon, lion. You've got a chest and arms of silver, you've got Medo-Persian Empire, you've got this brass, the Greek Empire, and then it goes into the Roman Empire of iron, and the legs are split to an eastern-western division, and then the final form is the ten horns, so ten toes. Ten toes or ten horns is the final form in the tribulation period. Okay, and each one of these beasts in Daniel, the lion, the bear, and the leopard, in Revelation 13 are seen in one animal in its final form. So it has the, the final world power then is going to have the characteristics or the actual kingdoms involved in it. So you'd have the characteristic of Babylon, you'd have the characteristics of the Medo-Persian Empire, you'd have the characteristics of Leopard, the Greek Empire. If you're talking about characteristics... So my point is, the final form of it is going to have these together in it. Now, Daniel 7 doesn't show you that, but Revelation 13 does. Okay? Now, it says so. Okay, the Bible says that Satan, the dragon, gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. And it says, I saw one of his heads as they were wounded to death. His deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. 
In Revelation 17, it says that the eighth is of the seven. So, let's just look at it and say that these seven are contemporary rulers. And the Antichrist is the eighth ruler. Then, the Bible says he's of the seven. Which means that one of the seven rulers could be the one that's wounded and then he comes back alive as the eighth ruler. I'm just giving you the possibility. There, there's probably some issues with that. But who is, the Bible says he is of the seven, but yet he's the eighth. Now, it could be that we're simply talking about that he's a part of these ancient powers. Five are fallen, one is, and one is yet to come, and the eighth. That he is a part, uh, he is a, uh, a part of one of these former powers, maybe Babylon. So I'm telling you, at this point, let me just be honest with you, we don't have the final form. So I don't know how it's going to be fulfilled. Do you? I don't, be honest with you. Now, maybe someday... If I, God gives me divine revelation or gives you divine revelation, you can come and you can share with me these things. If God show, opens it up for me, maybe I can show it to you. Maybe it is in the Bible. I just haven't seen it yet. Okay. But today, I'm going to show you the boldest attempt of anybody ever in history to fulfill this passage. And his name is Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales. It is the closest fulfillment of Bible prophecy ever for the Antichrist. This is the coat of arms of Prince Charles right here. Okay? When you read a coat of arms, this is, this is heraldry, of course. Heraldry tells you a story. It shows you rank, and it shows you uh, what has been accomplished in the person's life. It shows you family history. So when you talk about herald, heraldry, you're talking about uh, a story in picture form that tells you rank, accomplishment, and family descent. So this is a coat of arms or heraldry. It tells the rank of the person, the family descent of the person, and his accomplishments, both past and prophetically future. And when you read a coat of arms, you always start from the top and you go to the bottom. And then you go from the left to the right when you're reading it. The left right here, this creature right here, and I'll describe him to you, explain him to you. This is called the dexter. The dexter simply means to the left-hand side of this coat of arms. He is a supporter, a dexter supporter. This one here, this unicorn that you see on the right-hand side is the sinister supporter. The sinister supporter, okay? And so we're going to start at the top. We're going to go down. Then we're going to go to the left, the dexter side. Then we're going to go to the sinister side, the right-hand side of the coat of arms. We're going to see what this story in picture form tells us. You start at the top, you've got a lion. This line right here, the same line that is the dexter, the left-hand side of the coat of arms, is the same line that is right here. This lion, you'll notice, uh, this lion is in the garden position, which means it's facing you. It's called the garden position. It's facing the observer. So when I look at it, I can look right in the face of that lion. On the top of its head, you'll see a crown. This crown here, this crown here, 
there are a total of five times that this crown is located in this coat of arms. This crown is the heir apparent. He is the apparent heir to the throne. Okay? That's what this crown represents. What you have here also is you have a band. One, two, three on this band. This band here represents the elder son or the eldest son. It is linked to a prince called the Black Prince. Uh, King Edward had a son named Edward in history, and this was his symbol. And he was called the Black Prince because he wore a black coat. And he was involved in Satanism, and witchcraft, all kinds of stuff, all right? So when you look at this coat of arms then, this identifies you with the Prince of Wales as being the apparent heir. He's got this band around him which speaks of the eldest son, links him to the black prince. And notice it's one, two, three, and that, those are horns. And it is, it, is, it is as if they have been uprooted. And there are three of them that have been uprooted, which means they are upside down. All right? So it shows you the heir apparent and this man who's linked to the black prince will uproot three. They're turned upside down when he comes to power. Are you with me here? Isn't that interesting? You will also see this long tail. In a coat of arms, a long tail or the length of the tail of the lion in English heraldry, speaks to you of its power. Specifically, it speaks to you of its ability to use magic. Let's put it this way. It shows you the degree of satanic possession. So the longer the tail, the more power the prince has of darkness, the more power the prince of darkness has, the heir apparent, the elder son, the more satanic power he's got, the longer the tail. Okay? And by the way, this is called the official coat of arms right here. <clears throat> in, what is interesting here is that you will see that this mouth of this line is opened up. The Bible talks about, okay, let me go open right here. And both of its eyes, you can't see right here, are open. But if brother will go back to the unofficial, <clears throat> this, is the, this is the unofficial coat of arms of Prince Charles, we've got an eye on that lion, and it's closed. Okay? Go back to the, to the official one. Zechariah eleven seventeen, a prophecy. Zechariah eleven seventeen. Turn there in your Bibles, please. Let me show you something about this eye. <clears throat> it says, Woe to the idle shepherd, and that's an a term that's given to the Antichrist, an idol, I-D-O-L, idol, idolatry, idolatrous shepherd, that leaveth the flock, the sword shall be upon his arm. And it's interesting that Prince Charles hurt his arm in a polo accident. Sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arms shall be clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. So that in his unofficial that we just saw, we have one of his eyes closed. 
Revelation talks about this idle shepherd, the Antichrist, that his eye will be darkened, his right eye will be darkened. And his unofficial, isn't that interesting? The unofficial coat, if you'll bring that back up, brother, has got an eye closed. All right. And it's in connection with the Antichrist. Okay, going back to the official armor. <clears throat> this body of this lion is the body of a leopard. It's not the normal body of a lion. It's the body of a leopard. <clears throat> in fact, when you have these lions lifting their paws up, and you only have one paw lifted up, here, or I don't know if you can see it in, this, in these quarters of this shield, but you see a paw lifted up by these lions here. When you have one paw lifted up by the lion in uh, the coat of arms, it is declaring to you that it is a lion leopard. It is a symbol of a lion leopard. That it's not just a lion, but it's a leopard. So, this lion here is, has the body of a leopard, and it has the feet of a bear, claws of a bear, and it's got the mouth of a lion. And that's exactly what Revelation says to look for in the future uh, concerning the one world leader and his kingdom. You have the body of a leopard, you have the feet of a bear, and you have the mouth of a lion. Okay? Underneath this lion here, this guarded lion, you have the heir apparent crown again. On the top of the heir apparent crown, there is a globe or a sphere with a Moravian cross on the top of it. And we talked to you about this last week that the Moravians believed to be the descendants of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ really didn't die on a cross. But he married Mary Magdalene and Martha, by the way, and went over to Europe. And his offspring are found in Europe and they are royal blood. And they are called the Moravian dynasty. And so, listen... Prince Charles' coat of arms has him linked to the Moravian dynasty, which is what this globe with this cross on the top represents. And that cross also connects you with another man by the name of George, St. George. Now hold on to that. You've got to write, write that down, St. George. St. George cross and the Moravian dynasty cross. It is a B. And we talked to you about last week that the B is a symbol of one world government. So he is involved in promoting a one world government. He believes that he is associated with the Moravian dynasty who claims to be descendants of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> with the B being a symbol of, of uh, world government. All right. And so here we have this crown apparent or this heir apparent crown with that cross and that sphere on the top of it there also is in this crown there is the ruby of the black prince and now we know who the black prince is the black prince is satan so he is uh satanically controlled and this is the crown of england this is the english crown this is uh came from saint edward and so the connection is there uh, it is the crown it's the one queen mother wears <clears throat> underneath the crown of the uh, heir apparent is a helm 
a golden helm. Golden helm has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven horns. Seven horns. Even, in fact, in the book of Revelation, you'll notice these almost look like tooth-like things. It says, Revelation 7, it talks about these ten horns that are going to arise, and then he's going to pluck up three by the roots, leaving seven horns. It Literally, the word horn there is tooth. So you've got seven horns right there, just like the Bible says the Antichrist will be a part of. And notice this, just as you have three uprooted by uh, three horns uprooted, turned upside down. Right underneath the helm, you've got the same thing. One, two, three horns that were uprooted by the Antichrist. They're turned upside down. So if you count one, two, three, you've got three plus seven, you've got ten. And then you've got another horn right here on the unicorn, the eleventh horn, with the eyes of a man coming up from among the ten. Isn't that something? All right. Now, when you come down, remember we're going from the top to the bottom. When you come down, you've got a shield. A shield is the heart of the coat of arms. And it's got four quarters. One, two, three, four. You have, on this shield, you have the, the Scottish harp. It's got seven strings in it. It is surrounded by the garter of the black prince. That's the garter of the black prince. On the garter of the black prince, right here, which uh, what he's saying is he's a part of this group, the garter. It says, it's got this word here, which means high-minded. Exalt himself against Christ. Exalt himself against God. So high-minded on the garter is what that word says. But this shield particularly, let me show you. It has on the First quarter, it's got one, two, three lines. On the uh, other quarter, on the other far side, you've got one, two, three lines. So you've got six lines. And then you've got another line right here, the Scottish line. These six lines here are the lines of England. But this line over here behind this symbol or this badge of the elder son, there is a red dragon behind it. The symbol of Scotland. Okay? So over here on the, this quarter here, the first quarter, we've got three lines. Then on the next quarter over to the right-hand side, we've got that one line, or that dragon, I should say. Excuse me, the dragon of Scotland. Uh, you've got three lines here. Okay? This is connected with a line. The dragon of Scotland is connected with a line. So watch this. You have got one, two, three, four, five, six lions. And then, no, that's a dragon. That's right. Six lions. And in the center of the shield, you've got another shield. And it's got one, two, three, four lions. So you've got six lions, three in the top quarter and three in the bottom quarter. And then you've got four more for a total of ten horns or ten lines. That's exactly what the Bible says. So whether you want to look at it as horns here with these seven and these three ten and the eleventh one right here, the Antichrist, 
Or you want to look at it as lines here, three here, three here, and four here. You're still coming with ten kings. Again, this is the harp, harp, harp of Scotland. It's got seven strings upon it. And you'll notice that this dexter here has got his paw laid over on the harp there. This harp, they claim to be the harp of David. In fact, Prince Charles claims to be a descendant of David, King David. And the, this dexter here has got his paw on the harp, which shows its dominance over Scotland, okay? But Revelation 14 talks about the Christians, the Jewish Christians in Revelation 12 and 13 that are going to be persecuted by the beast. Revelation 14, we have 144,000 with a harp. So we see here in this depicted also that the Antichrist or this world leader is going to persecute the Christians, the saints of the Most High God. He's got his hand on the harp of David. Now let's talk about this garter right here because this is very, very important. Yeah, it goes all the way around. It's the center, okay? You've got the shield in the center and then it goes around the shield in the center underneath this gold helm. This garter right here is the garter, and it comes on down here. Um, it's got its pendant down here, it's, and of course that heir apparent, and 15 coins on this. I'll explain this to you in a moment. But this garter right here represents the Knights of Templar. Knights of Templar, or the Knights of the Round Table in ancient history. Now, it is a corruption of the throne of God, the, the throne room of God, where you have 24 elders around the throne. Jesus is the Father and the Son sitting upon one throne. But in this garter, which is basically simply a club of knights, they have 24 seats and one seat for the Father and one seat for the Son. It is a corruption of the throne of God. Revelation chapter 4 talks about the throne of God surrounded by 24 elders. Okay? Jesus is the Father and the Son. So they have taken the things of God and they've corrupted it. There are 24 uh, knights associated with the round table with the Father and the Son. Now, are you with me at this point? This group of people, the garter knights, originally came from Rome. They were apostate Roman Catholic soldiers. These apostate Roman Catholic soldiers were kicked out of Rome. And England embraced their cause. So we have the link with Roman Catholicism and this one world government system right there. The 24 knights with the father and the son make a total of 26 a club of Knights Templar, they are primarily apostates. Originally, again, originally they came from Rome, but now they are made up of apostate Anglican, and Anglican preachers for the most part. Okay? The people that are associated with this, you've got the 24 elders, then you've got the, the two, the father and the son, you've got 300 more Rulers, 
underneath them. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like you got the top, then come on down here. 300 rulers. And these 300 rulers are, along with these knights of the garter, primary, and, they, and it claims to be a Christian system, by the way. These people that are a part of this club of knights claim to be Christian in their orientation. But their purpose is to bring about a Luciferian one world government. A Luciferian one world government. And these members of this, by the way, Prince Charles is the chief colonel of this garter of knights. The only one who has more power than he does over this group is the Queen Mother. He is second only to her in power over this group. And they are trying to promote a Luciferian, a Luciferian world government. They created what is called the Illuminati. Okay, some of you are familiar with that. And the 300 that are associated with this, these Knights of the Garter, are people who are involved in uh, your major oil companies are a part of it. The World Council of Churches are a part of this garter. garter. Drug cartel is a part of this. Okay? The news media is a part of this order. And they're all seeking to promote a Luciferian, Lucifer, one world government system. Okay? In fact, there was a publishing company called Lucis Trust who put out an invocation or a prayer. And when they prayed this Lucis Trust prayer or this invocation, they are literally asking for the Christ to come and they're asking for light and truth and love to prevail. But the Christ that they're asking to come is not Jesus, it's Antichrist. And the love and the light that they're asking to come forth is not God's light and truth and love, but it's a counterfeit love and light. And it is in, in the loosest trust. And they're, they're part of this, okay? Now, this garter group here with these world, and you name it, whether it be oil companies or news media or world council churches, if it's an organized religious group, according to, to this writing, it says that they have their paw in it. If it's an organized group, this, this Illuminati group, this garter uh, group right here have their paw in it and they influence what goes on. Kind of make me wonder about some things, but they control the circumstances of history. They control the circumstances of history that brought about World War I and World War II. And after World War I and World War II, from that came the League of Nations or the United Nations later that's in New York. And the United, are you with me? The UN. They orchestrated World War I and World War II. And out of that came this UN and this League of Nations. They also orchestrated the circumstances that brought about Desert Storm in 1991. And their goal was to use... Desert Storm to promote one world government. In fact, if you remember, and I remember, listen on my radio, President uh, George W. Bush, uh, in the time of that Desert Storm when it was going on, he constantly was talking about new world order. New world order. Well, see, what that was was this group 
orchestrated the circumstances to bring about that war so they could test the new world order on the world. It was a test. It was a, it was a feeler, if you will. Okay? Uh, Ben-Goran, the Israeli leader, was a part of the 300 that is associated with this garter right here. And he claimed that, in fact, he also promoted New World Order, and he claimed that the, when the New World Order would come in, that it would be a, a memorial to the prophets of the Bible. What he claimed was is that this New World Order would be a fulfillment, particularly of the prophet Isaiah of the Millennial Kingdom. He was part of this New World Order push. Secular. Secular. It's a counterfeit kingdom. All right? And so just to give you a little idea, and Prince Charles is the chief ruler over this, Garter of the Knights, which had its beginning in apostate Roman Catholic soldiers. <clears throat> this is also linked to a, a, a man by the name, we talked about this cross here and here and here on that heir apparent crown, uh, a man by the name of St. George, okay? St. <clears throat> George. It is claimed that St. George, and I don't know a lot of history about St. George, but I, I believe that he was involved in the Crusades. Um, basically trying to take over Israel, etc., get rid of, uproot the Jews, take over Israel, all in the name of God, and a promotion and a pushing of Roman Catholicism. Okay? And great persecution of, of the Jewish people took place as a result of those crusades. And so anyway, to make a long story short, I believe he was a part of that group. But this is connected to this, what, who they call St. George, this garter of the knights. Now, St. George, it is claimed that St. George died and rose from the dead. The Bible says that the Antichrist... One of the seven is going to receive a womb, but is going to be made to come back alive. So again, we have the symbolism of a death and a, and a resurrection here associated with, with, with a man by the name of St. George. Okay. But anyway, this is just tying it all together, and it's showing you basically how Christianity or so-called Christianity and the New Age movement and Roman Catholicism and all these one world religious systems are going to come together and, and try to bring about a Luciferian New World Order. And how that they use circumstances to bring about catastrophic events and wars and stuff to promote their new world order. So, you know, a lot of these guys get up and they talk like they're really, you know, they're in it to help the United States of America. And they're really, we want to defend the U.S. and all of that, you know, stuff. And you can't go by what they say or how they appear, thanks. Because they, they do that. To cover up what their real agenda is. Whether it be oil or whatever, you know. Okay, going down here on this garter here. Down below it you have heir apparent crown again. With this Moravian cross. Descent, they claim to be sins of Jesus over this globe. Uh, declaring that Prince Charles is the heir apparent to the throne. And then underneath it this black looking velvet thing, which again links you to the black prince. 
It's got 15 coins on it. And it is believed that these 15 coins were brought by the crusaders. That they got these coins from the crusades. Okay, so again we have the link with Roman Catholicism right here. Are y'all doing okay out there? When you go to the left-hand side, this is the Dexter. Again, you have the same lion. This is the lion. It's got its paw lifted up, so it's a leopard lion. Down here, now if you can see it, but it's got the claws of a bear. Body of a leopard. And again, the badge of the elder son. Three horns plucked up by the roots. Turned upside down. Long tail showing his satanic power and magic of, magical ability. Mouth opens, uh, the Bible says uh, in Revelation 13, it talks about that lion. The mouth of a lion. Okay. Is this helping anybody? Are you understanding? All right, again, this one's got that heir apparent crown on the top of it. Going to the right-hand side, this is the sinister side. You have got a unicorn. A unicorn, this represents England, this represents Scotland as far as just uh, rulership goes. But it's deeper than that. It's, this is world government. This is Antichrist. Beast. This is Antichrist. The Bible says in Revelation or Daniel 7... That there's a little horn that comes up from among the ten horns, the ten kings. Revelation 13 talks about ten kings and the Antichrist. Here's a little horn, unicorn, coming up out of the top of this. This unicorn is a symbol, a corrupted symbol of the Antichrist. Because Jesus is the true unicorn. And his people are the true unicorn. And I'm not going to get into that. But what Satan did was, again, he corrupted the things of God took this unicorn it's even seen in the constellations in the heavens the ream the, the uh, uroch uh, and he corrupted it and he made it a symbol of himself this is a new age symbol it's the symbol of the antichrist when you see a unicorn in connection with the new age movement the symbol of antichrist and notice this again one two three it is the elder son's badge and it's the three horns plucked up by the roots so evidently then his eighth kingdom if we look at it as these, these kings being contemporary with him, it seems, though, that when he comes to power, that he plucks up three major powers. They're going to be his power base. Three of them are going to be his main power base underneath him. And then there's going to be seven other kings along with him, which gives you a total of ten. So, again, we have this badge of the elder son. Now, notice this. This unicorn also has a crown. Okay. Say crown. You got five of these heir apparent crowns. One, two, three. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five heir apparent crowns. Okay. Five of them. Then you got six, one around the unicorn's neck, seven down here around the ostrich feathers. Seven kings. Seven crowns. You can't miss it, it's all there. And the symbolism. And I'll get down here and talk about this some more in just a little bit. But this Antichrist, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 7, he's got the eyes of a man. 
But notice, one eye is hidden and only one eye is seen again. Zechariah eleven seventeen talks about it. One eye will be darkened. You can only see one. And this unicorn has the eyes of a man, not the eyes of a horse. Very interesting. It's got the, the pupil and it's got the wide of the eye. Okay? The eye of a man. And notice this protruding tongue, protruding tongue coming out of these, the mouth of these speaking blasphemous things against God. Again, but again, the connection is the seven crowns, seven kings. There are seven crowns on this total coat of arms. Also, notice a chain on this unicorn. It is linked down here. It is restraining the unicorn. Second Thessalonians talk, uh, chapter 2 talks about the, the Antichrist being restrained or being held. Okay? But when it, and then it talks about that restrainer being removed. And then Antichrist is going to come to power. And that restrainer, we believe, we talked to you about it, taught you, believe that to be Michael the archangel. That he's the one that holds, that he's the one that restrains the Antichrist. But there's coming a time when Michael is going to stop doing what he's doing. That's holding back. He's going to step back. Antichrist is going to rise to power. And so we have here, 2 Thessalonians 2, we have a chain restraining the Antichrist. But brother, go to the unofficial herald, the unofficial coat of arms, and let me show you here, there is no restraint. In the unofficial coat of arms, it's unrestrained. Okay? So we see him restrained and then loosed. Unrestrained. No restraint. Okay, go back to the official code. Down here, <clears throat> on the left-hand side, you see ostrich feathers. These ostrich feathers, they, they believe, that culture, they believe that an ostrich has the elements of divinity in it. So, this coat of arms is telling you that he believes that he's got some elements of divinity in him. Well, he claimed to be God. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about he'll claim to be God and cause people to worship him as God. And so these ostrich fellows speak of what he believes about himself. He believes basically he's God. Got elements of divinity in him. Okay, and the descent of Jesus Christ, like you're talking about the Moravian dynasty. Got a crown around here, this, and then you've got this, this border here, Ike Dion, I-C-H-D-I-E-N, and that literally means, I'm your man. I'm your man. It also be translated servant. I'm your man, and I'm going to claim to be a servant. Right there it is, and he claims to be divine. Over here we see the red dragon, the badge of the Prince of Wales, is the red dragon. And around the dragon's neck are the same elder son badge, three horns uprooted by the roots, turned upside down. And it's around the neck of the dragon which shows you that the dragon is the one who gives him his power. And not just that he gives him his power, but that the dragon possesses the elder son. That he possesses the elder son. 
That's because that, that, that badge right there is a, the emblem of the elder son. And so around the neck, he possesses the elder son and he gives him his power. Just like the book of Revelation said. Again, he's got his Paul lifted up. And be persecuting the church of the living God. Right? Now, in connection with this garter here, I told you about a, about a saint named George. He has his own uh, badge, if you will, medallion, symbolism and, and, and whatnot. This prince is linked to St. George. And the medallion that St. George has, and it's in Tim Cohen's book, Antichrist and a Cup of Tea, the medallion shows the black prince standing before the judgment throne of God and being judged by God. And on that particular medallion, it shows so-called the Trinity. We don't believe in the Trinity. There's only one God. But in their minds, see, they promote the doctrine of the Trinity. But they show him standing before the judgment seat of God with a frog. A frog is seen there, Revelation. When we get over there, we're going to see these frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. It shows a frog. It shows the Virgin Mary on that medallion. And uh, it shows the black prince standing before the judgment throne of God himself. So, very, very interesting. All of these symbolisms right here that we've talked about. When you look at this... This shows you not just England, but this shows you Ireland. It shows you Scotland, the harp, Scottish harp here. Uh, the Irish harp, excuse me, the Irish harp, the Scottish dragon. Okay. The symbolism of England, the lines. It's all here. So what you have basically is the United Kingdom. Not just England, but the United Kingdom. Of France, Ireland, and Great Britain. What is interesting right now is that the United Nations, of which this Garter of Knights promotes, and the world economic system, whatever, world government, world religion, the UN, let's talk about the UN in New York, has a meditation room. That you can go into and you can call forth the God from within. And in this meditation room, all religions of the world are welcome to go into that room and call forth this God from within. And there are 11 seats. 10 for the 10 kings and 1 for the Antichrist. Right now in the UN. And the main... Uh, the permanent members right now, as of right now, are the U.S. in the West, Russia in the East, France, Germany, and Great Britain. They are the permanent members of the U.N. right now. Okay, So I'm telling you, I don't know what the final form is going to be, but it's all around us. And it's just amazing. What is involved? What is what is here? And the Bible talks about these things. Revelation thirteen. Let's go back to it. Revelation 
Prince Charles claims to be, of course, the, the descent of King David. You name it, he's a descendant of him. Yeah. 13, when I sit upon the sand of the sea, another thing, this great, this, this uh, United Kingdom of Britain and uh, Ireland, Scotland, United Kingdom, is seen, this beast seen coming up out of the sea. Britain, the land of Tarshish. Ezekiel 38 talks about the, the, the young lions thereof. They are a seafaring people. They got their political power and their religious power and their economic power by seafaring, traveling the seas. So they are literally physically, physically, economically, religiously, spiritually, politically, literally coming up out of the sea. And that's exactly what God says this final beast will be to come up out of the sea. The Bible says uh, you got seven heads, ten horns. Again, we talked about those seven crowns, five heir apparent crowns. Crown there and a crown there gives you seven crowns. And then the Bible says, and ten horns. We talked about the ten horns. There's seven here. There's three on these. That's ten horns. And, of course, Daniel 7 says that they're going to pluck up. He's going to pluck up three by the roots, which means they're going to, he's going to subjugate them underneath his power or be his main power base, and upon his horns, and that's a possibility when I say that, those three horns being his power base, I do know he's going to pull up three by the roots. And we've got ten, ten horns, seven crowns, ten horns. we got seven here and three here. And the gold helm, remember that head of gold on that image? The gold helm has seven, and then three, ten. And then seven crowns. All right? Praise God. But it's depicting the one leader is my point. And that's why I'm saying that it's very strong possibility. These are contemporary kings that are with him, not just ancient historical kings. Although, according to Revelation 17, they are five of them historical. Does that make sense? You got two dual fulfillment here. The Bible says, I saw uh, the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Body of a leopard here in this dexter, left-hand beast. Body of a leopard here. Bible says, feet of a bear. We got the feet of a bear here. And, these line, and this leopard body line. The Bible says, and the mouth of a, of a lion. So what you have here is you have a lion leopard bear. Lion leopard bear. And the scripture says, and his mouth... His mouth as a uh, mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So here we go. There's the dragon with his emblem of the, the elder son emblem right there around his neck. Satan giving him his power. In fact, the badge of Wales literally states that the dragon leads. It is the dragon that leads him. The dragon that empowers him. And so the scripture again, uh, gave, the, the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. I saw one of his heads as though it were wounded to death. Prince Charles, or uh, at St. George in connection with his garter, is believed to have been dead and rose from the dead. Also the black prince, 
Edward and the Black Prince is connected to this garter. Right? And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. They worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? Okay, are y'all with me here? There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things, blasphemy and power was given unto him to continue 42 months, the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Brother, if you can, I don't know if you can do this for me, but on that, if you'll flip through this, I'm going to try to show the people where he, get his, he gets his power. He claims when he was crowned to be the prince of Wales by his mother, when she placed that crown upon his head, it was her, it was the queen mother that placed the crown on his head. Okay? Right there you see it happening. Thank you, brother. Prince of the Red Dragon. This is out of Tim Cohen's book. The mother is placing the crown on the prince's head here. Now go on. Okay, keep going. Okay, notice this, that as she is placing the crown upon his head, that over here on the seat, the seat of the queen mother, there is a dragon. The dragon. The Bible says the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And the dragon is on the back of that seat. Next. Okay, there it is again. Another picture of it. Go ahead. Now, watch this. Speaking of his 1969 investor, Prince Charles recalled within the vast run of the Kernor von Castle, my father invested me as the Prince of Wales. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But my father invested me as the Prince of Wales. Upon my head, he put a coronet cap as a token of my principality. Where it's clear that, that the mother actually is the one placing the throne upon his head. He claims that his father did it. And that his, that his father invested him as Prince of Wales. And that his father put the coronet on. And we see the dragon on the back of that throne. Giving him seat, giving his power, and his authority. Okay. The Bible says in verse 6, He opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Now, what I have just shared with you, church, if indeed the rapture doesn't take place pre-trib, and I don't believe it is, if it happens post-tribulational and we're in the age right now, you will see this come to pass. And the reason why God gave you this information, saints, is not so that we could, you know, ooh and ah about a world leader and a world government. The reason why he gave you this information about this world government and this religious leader and the image of the beast is so that you would not be deceived when it comes. So that, and when it does come and you're in persecution, and I believe this, okay, when you're in persecution, you won't be deceived and, and you're going to have to be patient, man. You're going to have to endure great things. You're going to have to endure 42 months of an antichrist rule and, and 42 months of him blaspheming uh, God and the church and persecuting the people of the Lord. God is Paul lifted against the harp of God. And so you need to understand these things because if we see them, if you don't understand, you will be deceived. 
And you've got, the Bible says, you must receive a love for the truth right now uh, that you would be saved. Because if you don't receive a love of the truth that you might be saved, God will send you a delusion. And you will believe the lie and be damned. You will take the mark of the beast. So it's very extremely important, number one, that you get born again the Bible way and not just be a religious Christian. But that you really get born again and that you understand there's only one God, not three. And understand prophetic times that you're living in. And if you find yourself in the tribulation period, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to endure great things, conflict. And so that is the reason why God gave this to us is so that we could be warned. The church could be warned. His people could be warned. He's saying, look at these beasts that try to destroy my people. In history, they try to destroy my people. They crucified me on a cross. And, and so on and so forth. And in the future, this persecution of the saints is going to take place. And so in the light of that, be patient, endure, love the truth so you won't be deceived. And so, uh, but here's the problem. And this is the last statement I'm going to make. Here's the problem. Revelation 14 tells us that it is not listened to. That there are many, many people who don't receive the warning that God gives us. Because 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in connection with this beast that's going to come, it talks about a great falling away first. There's going to be a mass exodus of people from their faith. And follow the Antichrist and enter into a covenant with the Antichrist because he's promising a temporary peace. And when you're going through conflict and battle and persecution, man, you don't have understanding. If you don't have truth and the Spirit of God in you, and if you don't have endurance and patience, you won't make it. You'll quit. You'll quit. And so a lot of people are going to follow the Antichrist and enter into covenant with him and take his mark because they want a temporary peace. And as a result of that, because they didn't heed this warning, in closing, 14, 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hands. I'm going to tell you something. There are certain Christian organizations that are promoting taking the mark of the beast. They are promoting it as being a mark of God, the seal of God upon the forehead of the 144,000. I'm talking about church leaders promoting the mark of the beast and saying it's the seal of God. You're already following an antichrist because vicar means anti, and he claims to be the vicar of Christ, and so he is an antichrist. And if you're following the pope, you're following a vicar. You are following an antichrist. And I'll say that to the cameras, to anybody that's watching this right now. If you're, if you're following the Pope, you're following a vicar or an antichrist. And you need to get born again. And you need to come out of religion. And you need to get right with God. So religious institutions are promoting the mark of the beast as a mark of God. Oh, yeah. Uh, I heard by way of testimony. Somebody shared with me. There was a Sunday school teacher, not in our church, but in another church. Uh, that claim it was telling the people in her Sunday school class, don't worry about the mark of the beast when it comes. 
That's the seal of God. See, they're so messed up. They're already deceived. They're inspired by a different spirit. But they claim to be Christian. The Bible says, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive the mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever, which means they did not listen. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receive the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Again, the emphasis. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. What is the faith of Jesus Christ? It's Christianity. Patience. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are they which are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Hallelujah. It's awesome. So next week I'm going on. Revelation 14. I'm going to talk about the seal people of God. The seal company of God. You got people taking the mark of the beast. The seal of the Antichrist. He is a high priest of Satan. People are going to take his mark. But the people of the Lord are seen in Revelation 14 as being sealed by God. Hey, we're going to be talking about that next week. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we declare in this church, God, this morning that there is one God. We declare that his name is Jesus. We declare that a person must be born again of the water and the spirit. That they must repent of their sins, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins, and be filled with the Holy Ghost, according to Acts chapter 2. We declare Jesus' deity and the new birth of the apostles. We declare, God, today that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus. We declare it into the heavens. We declare it in a satanic power realm. We say that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. We renounce the world system. We renounce the beast government. That is Antichrist in Jesus' name. Amen. And having said that, I am not telling you to fight your government. I'm telling you to understand what is empowering the governments of the world today. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an Antichrist, Luciferian, Illuminati system that uh, is backed up by the devil. Hallelujah. So be wise as serpents. And harmless as doves. And win as many people to God as you can. Because the time is short. You got family members. And they're in religion. You need to get them out. You need to tell them the truth. Because Jesus is not religion. Jesus is a savior. You're dismissed. See you tonight at 530. is prayer. 6 o'clock is church.